This morning, I want to challenge you. I, I love uh, uh, Pastor Pucci and the worship team uh, singing in one of their songs. I want to challenge you to believe for greater things. While, while, you're, while you're turning in your Bibles, let me say thank you for your prayers this, this past week. Um, you know, I, I never cease to be amazed at what God does. I, I also, I never cease to be surprised at what the enemy tries to do. Uh, I, I, um, as most of you know, I left immediately after the service uh, last Sunday to travel from here uh, to Brussels, Belgium, and then from Brussels on to Bulgaria uh, and spent the week in a, a town called Sliven, Bulgaria, doing their, uh, their National uh, Pentecostal Union uh, Conference. And uh, all, I can, all I can say is this, um, wow, what, what, what God accomplished uh, in, in those moments were, were absolutely unforgettable. I, I, I had the opportunity to had the opportunity to pray with a man who had been a member of the secret police uh, in the, during, the, during the communist re- regime in Bulgaria. And then the very next man that I prayed for was a man that was in prison for five years by the secret police of the communist regime in Bulgaria. And these, these two men, they're there um, standing next to one another. They didn't come up together. It just happened to work out this way. That they're there together with their hands raised saying, God, I want you to do something powerful in my life. And God, I want to commit myself to sharing the reality of who you are with the people of Bulgaria and with the world. I, 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 consistently stand in awe of all that God is and all that God does. We serve an amazing God. Amen? And then I, I want to echo what Pastor Mike said. As I, as I came in today and I was standing there in worship, there was a, there, there truthfully, there was a moment where I was emotionally overwhelmed. Um, and and here's, here's what I know. Here's what I realize. That, that we have a ways to go until we fill this place up. I get that. But I've, I've had the, the joy and the honor of pastoring this church for just a little over three years now. And what, what God has accomplished in us in these past three years and, and, and where He has positioned us today, there is something powerful. There's something incredible happening in this church. And in fact, I would say this to, to those of you that are in the Orlando area, that you're watching this via live stream or, or you're watching this via Facebook live or, or catching it later on one of our Facebook feeds or, or watching it in Good Life 45, you've got to get here. You know, it's one thing to watch the video. It's another thing to experience the presence of God in this place. And what God is doing here is powerful. You do not want to miss this. It is, it is absolutely an amazing thing. And, and that God affords us the opportunity to be a part of it. Friends, you are a part of a miracle. I just want you to recognize that. This does not happen in churches. And, uh, and you are a part of a miracle. Don't, don't take that miracle for granted. It's, it's easy to come in here and, and see all that God's doing uh, week after week and, and, and see the amazing things that happen. And, and we can become almost deadened to it. Don't, don't miss a miracle that's happening in our midst. It really is a phenomenal thing. In that, I want to challenge you to believe for even greater. I want to challenge you to, to believe for even greater. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy. It is because of the mercy of God. But in His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a real hope, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an, an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. It's, it's kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to notice this, uh, starting in verse number six. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of troubles and all kinds of difficulties and all kinds of trials. The simple truth is this, is life is not perfect. The Bible tells us this, that God promises it. He promises to meet our needs. In fact, in the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises. And God keeps every one of them. Over 7,000 promises, and He keeps every one of them. He he promises that He'll meet our needs, that He'll meet our emotional needs, our, our, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our financial needs, our relational needs, every need in, in life. In fact, one of the common names of God that's mentioned is that name Jehovah Jireh, which means I am the God who provides for you. And over and over again, God says this, I will meet your needs. One of the promises that He gives is this, in, in Philippians 4, it says this, and my God shall supply all that you need 
out of his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. The problem is this. We look at this and we know the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs. And yet, we look at our lives and we go, okay, God, I see this promise in Philippians chapter 4. But I also see there's a situation in my life where there are needs that are unmet. God, I, I, pray, for, I pray for these physical needs. Wednesday evening in, uh, at the, this pastor's conference we were at in Bulgaria, we, um, I, I spoke on God being the God of the breakthrough and, um, and invited people at, at the end of the message to come up and to be prayed for for whatever it is they needed in their life, um, um, healing, deliverance, uh, provision, whatever. And, um, and didn't know, especially with cultural difference, didn't know how people would respond, um, and was, was overwhelmed uh, by the response two and a half hours praying for people um, to, to, to experience the power of God uh, in, in, in whatever fashion they were needing in, in, their, in their particular moment. And, and one of the things that I challenged them in is this. I said, I want to challenge you to be specific in your prayer. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to do the miraculous in your life. I told him, I said, listen, when we get together uh, tomorrow morning, I, I want to hear, listen, if God healed you, I want to hear about it. If you, if you weren't healed, I want to hear about it. I want to, I want to hear about what God did. And, and, and here's what I will tell you, that, that not everyone received their healing in the moment. And I believe this. I believe that there are sometimes it happens instantaneously. There are sometimes, as God even, even said to his disciples, sometimes it only happens through prayer and fasting. It's a process, not an event. But I, I, Thursday morning, as I, as I walked into the meeting area, yet, th this woman who I'd prayed for uh, just about 12 hours before comes running up, and she grabs me, and she hugs me. And I remember her when she grabs me and hugs me. I remember specifically what we prayed for. And she, she looks up at me, and, and, and she begins uh, to talk to me. I have no idea what she's saying, because I speak, this is all the Bulgarian I speak, dobre. That's all I got. Dobre. Yes. Oh, and I can do this. No. Yes and no. That's all I've got. So she's, she's just rattling off. And so, so I, have to, I have to grab one of our interpreters and I said, help, help me out. And, 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 and she is weeping and she says this. And I remember, the, I remember the, her prayer request from the night before. She said, I have not had, I've not been able to sleep in over seven years. She says, I go, I go to bed and I have night terrors. I have panic attacks. And I felt impressed to pray a specific prayer over her. And this was the prayer that I prayed over her. I said, I said I, 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 my prayer over you is this, and, I, and, and I, I'm, I'm convinced that it's not just a prayer, that it's a prophetic word from God for you. And my prayer over you is this, is that tonight, as soon as you lay your head on your pillow, that you are going to have a sleep. And it's not just going to be a sleep, it's going to be a sweet sleep. And it's not just going to be a sweet sleep, it's going to be a sweet sleep that leads to a dream. And God's going to give you an encouraging, refreshing dream. And that's the gift that God has for you. Anyway, she came in Thursday morning. She, she grabbed me and she hugged me and she begins talking to me. And then when the interpreter comes over, she says, I want you to know in more than seven years, she says, for the first time in over seven years, she said, I dreamt. She said, I'm refreshed. I slept. And I, and, and I was able to say to her, see, that's what God does. God refreshes. God restores. God renews. And we have these promises of God, and God is a keeper of his promises. But here's, here's the balance of that, and, and, and here's part of the reason why this issue that every, why everybody's need is not met. And in reality, there are times that perceived needs or even actual needs go unmet. Well, what's the problem? Is God lying? Does God exaggerate the point? Um, does God play favorites? Is he just saying something that sounds nice, but, but really it's... It's untrue? Well, there are a number of factors, and I can't unpack it all today, but, but here's the biggie that I want you to get. Is the Bible tells us that there is a condition for every promise. There's a premise for every promise. And one of the conditions for this promise is that you have to trust Him. Right? This happens according to your faith. And, and faith develops... Not in the good times. Faith develops in the challenging times. It's easy to believe God when family life is going amazing. It's, 
It's another thing to believe God when, when your child looks at you and says, I hate you. When your spouse looks at you and says, I've become attracted to another. When your boss says to you, this is going to be your last paycheck. See, that's when it gets challenging. That's when it gets difficulty. But here's what, here's what God says to us through Peter. He says, these things come so that your faith, which is of greater value than gold, that it may be refined. And friend, this issue of faith and walking in faith, it is the bedrock of relationship with God, and not just a relationship with God. It's the bedrock of relationship with others. And so God wants us to, he wants us to walk in, in faith. He wants us to live in faith. These trials are only a test to your faith to show that it is strong and to show that it's pure. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to quickly, we're going to look at four trials, four tests that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 1. Chances are very good that you're walking in at least one of these trials, at least one of these tests right now. And whether you are or not, here's what I guarantee you. Over your life, you will go through all four of these tests over and over and over again. And when you do, here's what I want you to know. This is what I want you to walk in. This is what I want you to be able to embrace and believe. That this is an opportunity for me to develop my faith so I can trust God more and more so that he can bless my life more and more. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go a few verses down. We're going to focus on just a couple of verses this morning. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Here's what it says. Therefore, right? So these trials come to test your faith. Understanding that, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he has called you, uh, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Four tests real quickly. Number one, the pressure test. Here's what it, here's what it tells us in, in, in 1 Peter 1.13. It says that we are to prepare our minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Will I depend on myself or will I depend on God when difficulty comes? When I find myself in a challenging situation and I've got to move, I have to respond. Here's what it tells us in Psalm 50. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so, you can, so I can rescue you and, and can give me the glory, God says. I want you to turn to me when you're in trouble, not to other things. How do we... How do we do that? Do we do that? Quite honestly, more often than not, the answer to that is, is no. We, we, we usually have God about number nine or ten on the list, right? Have you ever been talking to somebody and, and they, they, they say, so uh, what can I do? Well, all that's left now is to pray. And people will go, really? Oh my goodness, has it come to that? Has it come to the only thing that's left to do is pray? Right? And, and we forget about that, that directive that we have in Matthew chapter 6 that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, why is it? Why, do we, why is it that we struggle with this? It's an issue of priorities. And that's the reason why we, 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 we talked about this in the series that we just came out of, this issue of relationships, relationship with God and relationship with others, that God tells us this, that we have to have our priorities right. Right? Our horizontal relationships don't work if our vertical relationship isn't right. And so God says, don't have any other gods before me. Here's what I can promise you, friend. The areas that are stressed in your life, chances are very high that that is an issue that you have put before God. If you came in here and you're stressed in your relationship, chances are you've put that relationship over your relationship with God. If you came here and you're stressed as it relates to your, to your job, chances are you've put that job before God. If you're stressed in your finance, chances are that you've put, that, you've put, put your finance before God. I, I've told this story here before, but it's one of those that I love uh, because I think it, it, it demonstrates this real well. It's easy for us to become confused on what provides opportunity for us, what provides resource for us. When I was a little kid, 
there was this metal box set outside our front door. And on the front of it, it said Puck's Dairy. And every morning I could go out there and open up that little, bo- that little box. And you know what I'd find in there? I'd find this, this glass bottle of milk. It was incredible. Oh my goodness. I loved that. That little box, somehow, that little metal magical box, it somehow every morning would produce milk. And for me, as a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old kid, that's where milk came from. Right? And I saw that metal box as my source. How many of you know that milk doesn't come from metal boxes? For those of you that didn't raise your hand right now, I'm very concerned about your understanding of animal husbandry. Simple biology. Right? That metal box, here's what that was. That was a resource. The, The job that you have Friends, that is not the source of your income. That job that you have, it's nothing more than that metal box that sat sat outside that front porch when you were a child. It is a resource that God used. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that does supply. And here's what you're going to find. Genesis 1-1 tells us this, that in the beginning, God created. So the very first thing you learn about God is that he's a creative God. And what God loves to do is he loves to bring resource into your life through through great creativity. And he provides. But the question is this, is when I find myself under pressure, will I respond? And will 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 I turn to my own devices, or will I turn to God? Right? And unfortunately, we, turn, we tend to turn to everything first and, and tend to turn to God last. We're, we're not the first generation to do that. You can go all the way back to Abraham. Right? God gives Abraham a promise. Abraham, you're going to have a son. And not only are you going to have a son, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham, your descendants will be as many as the sand on the seashore. And Abraham says, great God, and he grabs hold of that promise. But then in Abraham's timetable, that son doesn't show up. And so Abraham ends up having relation not just with his wife, but also with a servant. And as a result, Ishmael is born. And what does Abraham do? Abraham holds up Ishmael and he goes, look, God, you're promising. God goes, no, it's not. That's not my promise. That's you trying to circuit my plan. And friend, mankind has been experiencing the repercussions of Abraham trying to do it his own way instead of God's way. From generation to generation to generation to generation. It's real easy when we find ourselves stressed, when we find ourselves pressured to walk away from the promises of God and walk away from the plan of God. I hear people say this, you know, Pastor, I'd love, to be, I'd love to be in church this Sunday, but right now I'm super busy with work. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Last week, I had the honor to speak to this, this large group of pastors. About 500 people total, a little over about 260 pastors there. And I, I asked them the question, I said, I said how many of you have, have not had a, a, a day off in at least a month. And the vast majority of them raised their hand. Two months, three months. And, and at the three-month point, at least half of them had their hand raised. And I asked them this question. I said, what other of God's commands are you willing to trample? Because see, it's, it's real easy for us in confusion or sometimes even arrogance and pride to think that we've got a better plan than God's plan, to think we've got a better way than God's way, Can I offer you this, friend? God's plan regarding the stewardship of time applies to you, and it applies to me. 
as your, as your pastor, it, it, with, with, with everything, let me tell you something, with everything that's gone on with this renovation, I have taken my day off. And I'll tell you why. I, I've taken my day off because God's Word commands it. Were there things that I could be doing? Absolutely. Were there things that I should have been doing? Absolutely not. Because I've got to live by the plan of God. I have to live by the premises of God and the precepts of God if I want to trust in the promises of God. Well, let, me, let me talk about money for a moment. It, it never ceases to amaze me how many times I have people come and they want to talk to me about this financial issue this, they're facing, their financial bondage they're facing. And I ask them, how are you regarding God's plan and God's precepts on, on how you handle finance? Are you being obedient to the tithe? Well, I'm partially tithing. Partially tithing is like being partially pregnant. It's an impossibility. The first tenth belongs to the Lord. And the question is this, is when, when stress comes into my life, will I trust God? And that's the reason why I have to be ready because these difficulties, these challenges, they are going to come my way. And the last thing that I want to do is to be responsible for an Ishmael. Some of you walked in here today and dealing with emotional pressure. And if you're to be honest, you're here and you're, you're self-medicating. You're self-medicating with, with, with over-the-counter drugs, with misuse of prescription drugs. You're self-medicating with a bottle. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to put you on blast. But I'm here to say that God has a better way. God has a better plan. And yes, you are going to face pressure. Listen, when you, when you come together, these people here, everybody in this room faces pressure. Everybody in this room faces difficulty. We all face it. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. First Peter tells us that we're going to face it. And these, these come that we might be refined and developed. Trust in the plan of God. His plan works. Trust in the promises of God. It works. And it doesn't just work with, yeah. It doesn't just work with pressure. It also works with, with people. You'll see that in 1 Peter 13. It goes on to say this. It, it tells us that we're supposed to prepare our minds for action and that we're supposed to be self-controlled. Self-controlled. And I have found this. I have found that the biggest issue of self-control is in the issue of dealing with people. It's in dealing with people. Because it's in the issue of relationships and the issue of dealing with people that our biggest challenges come and our biggest disappointments come. Self-control. I, um, Thursday evening, about 11 p.m., I was arriving from Munich into Brussels this last Thursday. Um, and as, as our plane landed... Um, I'm, I, I get up and I'm, I'm, getting my, I'm getting my overhead, I'm getting my bag out of the overhead bin and the gentleman across the aisle from me, he elbows me in the back. And I go, okay, I just kind of move a little bit uh, and then he elbows me again and it's pretty obvious that he's intentionally elbowing me. And I'm not sure, I, I, I've given him, I, I mean he's got a lot of space. And then he elbows me a third time. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just telling you what, what my dad taught me growing up. My dad said, he said, Ed, he goes, turn the other cheek. He goes, but after you've, after you've taken it, if you've turned the other cheek, if the guy does it again, it's on. And, um, and so, so I, I, I turned to this gentleman and I said, really? I said, sir, I've tried to get out of your way three times. You've now elbowed me three times. Please do not elbow me again. Right? Don't applaud. And the guy looks at me. I said, I said, I said, listen, you know you're, just stop. I'm just telling you to stop, okay? Uh, uh, okay. And um, I wasn't real worried about the guy, um, or, um, you know, trying something to hurt me. First of all, we're in the airport. It's not like he could have a whole lot of weapons. Secondly, um, I had Michael McNamee, uh, one of our missionaries with us. And Michael, before he was uh, a Christian, he was an assassin in the Irish Republican Army. And so I knew that Michael had my back. Um, but I was, I was tired right? Wasn't feeling the best in the world physically. And 
this guy just, he just got on the wrong side of me. And immediately, you know what? I didn't feel relieved. I felt embarrassed. Ed, way to demonstrate patience. Way to demonstrate self-control. You've just spent the week challenging pastors to live their life in such a way. Twelve hours after your last meeting with them, your last teaching, you're being unkind to a guy in 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 an airplane. Well, he deserved it. I don't see where the Bible gives me that out. And, and here's, here's what I can tell you. People are going to test you. People are going to pressure you. What do you do with that? What do you, how, do, how, do you, how do you deal with that? It, it's, it's a test. It's, it's the people test. I have to recognize that. Be, be self-controlled. It's, I just I cannot, I cannot overstate that. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, help me to live my life in such a way that if people want to say something bad about me, they have to make it up. Let your light so shine in me so that they see those good works and it brings glory to you, O God. People are going to push your button. People are going to test you. You're going to face the pressure test. You're going, to, you're going to face the people test. You're also going to face the, the persistence test. So your persistence test is this, is will I be faithful to my commitment? Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be given, the Word of God tells us. Life is about making commitments. Our life is shaped by our commitments. Our our character is developed by our commitments. Our success is influenced by our commitments. Our eternal destiny is determined by our commitments. So we better have an understanding of what we're committed to. Because heaven and hell are in the balance. And we become whatever we're committed to. And people go, "I, I, I, I don't want to be committed to anything. You're committed to something. There There was a kid in our youth ministry. He had this jacket. And it said this, anarchy rules. I always find that to be hilarious. Anarchy rules. And one day I told him, I said, I said, anarchy rules. I said, you know what anarchy is? It's no rules. I said, so you're saying no rules, rules. See the problem with that? It's almost as bad as Pink Floyd's. We don't need no education. We don't need no education, which means you definitely need an education. And based on the grammar of your song, you've proved your point. Right? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm committed to not committing to anything. Your eternal destiny is determined by your, by your commitments. In fact, l- let me offer you this. The, they're, they're, the uncommitted person, there's a word for an uncommitted person, and it's immature. Immaturity will show itself in our inability to make and keep commitments. It's the reason why here at Calvary, we challenge you to make commitments. We challenge you to make a commitment to a personal relationship with God. We challenge you to make a commitment to membership to the church. We challenge you to make a commitment in the area of your relationships, in the, in, in the area of your activity. We challenge you in the issue of the tithe. We challenge you, in fact, this Sunday, today is Faith Promise Sunday. We've been talking about the issue of missions and doing something beyond yourself. And we challenge you in this. Why? Because you are defined and refined by your commitments. And we're to walk in that. We're to, we're, to, we're to live in that. No commitment that really matters is easy. They're all challenging if they're important. And you can always expect your commitment will be tested. But God's called us to be people of commitment. It's the reason why Solomon said this, the wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. Psalm 15 tells us this, God blesses the person who keeps his vows even when it's challenging. You're going to face the pressure test. You're going to face the people test. You're going to face the persistence test. And you're going to face the priorities test. The priorities test. 
But just as he is holy, so be holy in all you do. Holy doesn't mean perfect. Here's what holy means. It means to be set apart. The Bible says just as he who's called you is holy, you are to be holy, to be set apart. Here's the question that I believe that God has for you today. Is, is God my highest priority? One of, one, of my, one of my greatest concerns as a pastor, not just as a pastor, but as a man of God, one of my greatest concerns is this. Is I think that we have a generation in Western Christianity. I think we have a generation of people who, who, have a, who, who do have a love for God. And they have a love for worshiping God. Well, they at least have a love for worshiping worship. But I, I, I think that what we have is we have an issue where we have people that have a love for God. But just as, just as John wrote in Revelation, he's not our first love. And, and, and the Word of God makes it very clear that God isn't just supposed to be a love in our life. He's supposed to be the first love in our life. And, and I, I, can, I can tell you what your priorities are by looking at two things. Your calendar and your checkbook. Your calendar and your checkbook. Okay, let me go from preaching to meddling just a moment. About, about 800 of you, actually closer to 900 of you, received a, a one-year chronological Bible at the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm not here to pick on you. I just want to ask you a, a diagnostic question. How far behind are you? How far behind are you? How difficult have you found it to give God the 12 to 15 minutes a day that it takes to read through the Bible? The average reader, the average reader, it will take a total of 60 hours to read through the entire Bible. Now, some of you are here and you worked 60 hours this week. I get it. I understand the challenges. I understand time. And, and in one week, you've given 60 hours to your employer. And yet, we struggle in giving God 60 hours in an entire year. But if somebody were asked, we'd say, God definitely has first place in my life. Do you see the, do you see the struggle with that? Do you see the disconnect with that? So it's, a, it's that issue of, 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 of priorities. Giving God first place in our life. So I, 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 three questions regarding priority. Number one is this. What do I think about the most? When I have free time, what does my, my mind naturally wander towards? Because whatever you think about the most, is what's the, that's what, what is the most important thing in your life. Okay. Second, where does my money go? Now, I know, I know there are some people that really struggle when the church talks about money, but it's very important that we talk about money because the Bible talks about more about money than it does about heaven. And it's important that we talk about it because it's a stumbling block for us. Where, where's, where's my money goes? The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. See, how we handle our, how we handle our, our resources, it, it reveals our priorities. It determines our priorities. And then, and then how do I spend my time? Here at Calvary, we talk about the desire to, to live out what God tells us to, to live out, to do, and to be. And part of what we know is this, is we know that God has called us to be a witness in our world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're a church that believes in missions. We, we believe in and sharing beyond ourselves. Now, it would be easy for some to say this. You know what? There are enough needs in this church. We don't need to be helping uh, somebody in remote Africa. There are plenty of people that can do that, but the needs that we have in this church, and, and even if we want to look beyond our church, by the way, show me a church that their focus is on themselves, and I'll show you a church that's shrinking. Show me a family, show me a home where their focus is on themselves, and I'm going to show you a family that's struggling. 
But there's something powerful that happens when we take the focus off of us and we turn the focus towards others. It's the reason why every year at this time of year, we, we, we have this missions emphasis. Last, last Sunday, we had Kevin and Noel Miller with us. You got to hear about how God is sending them and their family with those two young boys to Europe to reach a lost continent. We have the opportunity to be, to be invested in and, 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 and to be involved in that. And God wants us to look beyond ourselves, and he wants us to do this for two reasons. Number one, it gives us healthy perspective in our life. Number two, because we have this good news of Jesus Christ, and God wants our neighbors and the nations to know the reality of who Jesus is. It's not easy. It's challenging. In fact, I, I want to do this. I want to, as we... As we, as we, as we um, as we head toward a clo- to, to, to our close this morning, I, I want to quickly, I want to let you hear from two people. I'm going to ask Nancy Barkas, if Nancy would come up here first. Nancy, um, Nancy just, uh, just recently uh, traveled to, to India. And, um, and Nancy, I'd like for you to just, um, I'd like for you to share um, what you saw in India. Um, because these folks, you know, they come and they'll give money in an offering plate, you know, and they'll hear occasional stories. Uh, but you, um, uh, you're not a pastor. You don't get paid to do this, right? No. No, in fact, you pretty much pay to do it, don't you? I do. And um, I support. So why? Why do you do that? And, and, and share just, just briefly what you saw firsthand, um, the, the money that these folks give in an offering, what, what's, happening, what's happening with it? Is, 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 is the world really being reached by what we're doing here at Calvary? I was privileged to go to India, a nation that is Hindu, has many gods, and they have a caste system. And in that caste system, until the day you die, you stay there. There's no hope. Maybe when you die, if you've been really good, you'll come back a little higher in the caste system. But Hulda and Mark Montaigne had a vision, and they had faith. And they went, and God gave them an amazing opportunity to prove that he does the impossible. They went, and they saw children that had nothing, and they had no hope. And they said, if we educate them, we can offer them hope. If we feed them in the natural, they can have hope. We saw children that were taken out of the lowest of the caste system and brought in to be educated because of dollars that were being sent to support the ministry. And as they were being educated, they learned about Jesus and that there's a hope and that God loves them and they don't have to stay trampled underneath. They can rise up, that God has a purpose and a plan for their lives. They were being fed spiritually in school. They were being fed through feeding programs. And now today they're feeding 15,000 every day. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's what your dollars do. They're also taking the children that have been educated up to the sixth grade. That would be as high as they can go. They say, no, God has more for you. And they take them and they put them into vocational schools where they are learning trades so that they can be productive. They take them and they send them to Bible college. And these kids who had no hope or a future 50 years ago are today leaders in the National Assembly of God ministries throughout Northern India and going into other parts of India. It's an amazing thing to see what God will do through your faith promises, through your funds. They build a hospital, five, six stories. The first three stories, they pay nothing, or maybe a little teeny tiny bit. The other stories, they do to private sector. But that private sector supports the others. But it's your dollars that help build that hospital. It's an amazing thing to see and to be able to walk there, and every place you go, they know about Mercy Hospital. They know about Auntie Buntain. But they could have never done it 
if money hadn't come from churches back here in America to take that country and show them a better way to bring salvation, to bring hope, and to bring a future. And if I may add one more thing, I was asked to speak there as a woman. Now, I'm single, and I don't care whether you're single because God's never brought a mate to you, if you're divorced, or if you're widowed. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life to go and to do and to be a light and to share your experiences, to encourage others. In India, when you become a widow, you have nothing and you are nothing. And what they saw and why they asked me to come back and do a teaching about this is that God has a purpose and a plan for my life and they got to see it. That's some of what your dollars do. So as a, as a single woman, mm-hmm. as a single woman on a fixed income, you'd have all kinds of reasons and rationalizations to go, I really can't be involved in this missions thing. For, for the person who right now, the enemy's giving, all the, all, giving them all these reasons and rationalizations of why they can't be involved in missions, what advice would you give to them? The only thing stopping you is your lack of faith saying, I can't instead of having the faith to say, yes, I can, and yes, I will. I was privileged to have five years as a single woman in Thailand. I'm privileged now to go all the time because of God's provision. I raise my own funds, but God has a purpose and a plan for my life. I'm 73, and he's not done with me yet. Amen. Amen. I'm going to, thank you, Nancy. I'm going to ask one more person to come up. Um, Marvin Couch traveled with me to Bulgaria, and... um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Marvin on the spot. Marvin knows that I want him to talk about his experience in Bulgaria. But I, but I also want to say this, that um, when I got here three years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to meet Marvin. And, uh, and Marvin was really, really getting um, a business going. He had been in the painting business. He had gone away from it for a while. And he was, he was getting back into the painting business. And uh, when I arrived, Marvin was painting a bunch of the outside of this building. And here's what I know. Marvin did not have the money to pay for the painting of the outside of this building. Um, I've I've watched Marvin over the last three years. I've watched you take these amazing steps of faith. I, um, while I will not reveal the number, when you shared with me uh, recently what they told you, uh, what the value of your company is, um, it, it, on some levels it overwhelmed me. Um, but it did not surprise me uh, because when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Um, and you've gone from painting buildings like Calvary to uh, painting Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins Stadium, and now you're bidding on projects like that really all over the, all, all over the country. Um, I, just, I, I love the way that God blesses people when they're, when they're obedient. So I, I want you to take, take a moment. I want you to talk about your, your experience in Bulgaria and why, um, why as, a, as, a, as a businessman, um, why you say, you know what, I want to I invest in kingdom work. Well, since you brought that up about what God has done in my life and my business, I, I need to share with you where I was. Five years ago, I had hep C. And I, was, and I had to quit my business because I just couldn't work anymore. I had to go under interferon had to work, uh, and couldn't work. I just couldn't work. And we lost everything we had. We were at the point of bankruptcy. We were getting ready to lose our house, lose everything. What we did, Nancy and I decided, uh, my health started coming back. I said, I'm going to get back in the painting business. We're going to start the painting business, but we're not going to stop tithing. We're not, not going to stop giving to God. And because of that... God has blessed me on beyond what I can even imagine. I've traveled to 39 countries. I've been able to help people all across the world, people that are left privileged, less privileged. When we went to Bulgaria, we met 250 pastors. It's a very poor country. They make on the average of 300 to $600 a month. Most of them had never even been in a hotel before. We spent three days with them. They had never met their other pastors across the nation. They were able to get together, encourage one another, talk to one another, pray for one another, hear good teaching. It it was a wonderful thing. We touched a nation. 
we touched a nation because all these people were going to go back and had hope because for years they've been in the oppression of communism and are still under the, under the oppression of the darkness that's in that country. It's getting better. There's growth, but there's still a lot of oppression in that country. And these pastors and, the, uh, and their wives, when, when Pastor Ed asked them to come forward and they came forward, these are men that have lived through communism, that have lived the tough life, the hard life, lives I can't even imagine. And they're coming to Pastor Ed, myself, and Michael McNamee, you know, the CEO of Convoy of Europe, and we prayed for hours with these men and women. And the prayers that they had were real prayers. The main prayer they had was, we need to have wisdom. We need to have faith. The wives were saying, oh, I, I, need, your, I need prayer to be strong because, you know, we live in villages that are mostly Muslim. And, and, and it's really hard life, and we're talked about, and it's, it's hard. We, we need prayer, and we need to have strength. Will you please pray for us? There was a lot of uh, issues with health. It was, we spent two and a half hours of nothing but prayer. We didn't leave until everyone, when he said, so, will people come forward? They all came forward. Three of us praying for 250 people and their wives. We laid hands on them. We prayed with them. And it was just a wonderful and beautiful thing. To be involved in something where we're actually touching a nation like that, that's incredible. We serve an amazing God. Now, my purpose of going there, and I went with, uh, to India also, was to look for things we could do. Next year, we're going to be doing two trips. So we have time to save. If you felt like you have a heart for India and want to be part of what we're going to be doing there, or if you want to go to Bulgaria, the church we're going to be working in in Bulgaria is on a site that was once secret service of Bulgaria. And now God is using that land to build a church. It's going to be the largest Pentecostal church in Bulgaria. Yeah. And we're going to be a part of that. And we're going to help those people. It's such a wonderful privilege. I wish that everybody could go. And, and don't think age is a problem. Chuck Cooper, he's in his 80s. He, he went to Columbia with me. Phil Valenzuela, I know he's here. He's been on many trips. He's in his 70s. Age is not an issue. Yeah. There's things you could do. But I, one thing that we do need, we're in a spiritual battle. There was, I have never been in attack of spiritual warfare like this trip. As soon as we got over there, I get a phone call. One of my best friends, his son committed suicide. My cousin put on Facebook, her mother died. Michael McNamee gets a phone call. His daughter has a tumor in her mouth. There was an accident where two of our translators were hurt, and one just got out of surgery yesterday. I mean, the attack was just, it was so evident, which told me that we're, we're doing the right thing here. God doesn't want this to work. God doesn't want this to happen. So we're going to go back. We're going to be faithful to God, and we're going to bless that nation. Because every time I go to another country, I leave a part, piece of my heart behind. I left a piece in Bulgaria, and I'm going to go back. And anybody that wants to go, you've got time to save. These are expensive trips. Let's not be kidding here. They're, they're not cheap trips, but you will be blessed beyond what you can even imagine. So, Marvin, here's the question that I have for you. You, you were in both India and in Bulgaria. Yes. In India, since the last time we had a Faith Promise Sunday, mm -hmm. this church has given... Right at $100,000 to India. Yes. Would you, say that's, would you say that's dollars well spent? Oh, my goodness. You know, has anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? The majesty and immensity of it, and you say, you look at it, and you get a picture in your mind, and then you take a picture of it, and you bring it home, and you show it to people, and, and it just, you, you know, you can't see the, really the immensity of it. You can't see how beautiful it really is. It looks good. It's a nice picture, but you really can't see the Grand Canyon. I can't explain to you what this is doing, what, what we're doing in India. I can put in words, yeah, we're doing great things, but you have to go and you have to see. It's amazing. what The money, the faith that they have there is just, it's unbelievable. They don't say, okay, let's get a budget here. Let's get the money and then we'll go do it. And they say, God gives us a vision. We're going to do it. Let's do it. And they, the money always comes. Not only through us, through churches across the world. So let's just be faithful. God, God will provide. And then uh, we just got from, back from Bulgaria. We, as a church, there were, there, if, if the number I have is correct, there were 517 people total that were at that conference. Yes. Um, we, as a church, we spent $20,000 to make that happen. Yes. Would you, say that was a, would, would you say that was a worthwhile investment? Imagine if you could get all the pastors of the United States together and, and one conference and the fellowship and the praying. And, and that would cost 
I don't know, $10 million, we were able to touch a nation for 20,000. That is, I mean, that, is that God or what? That is God. That, that's, that was a pittance to what we did and, what we, and the effect that it had on that nation. I think one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the things that gripped me the most when we were there is, is Thursday um, after, the, after the final session. And we were, we were trying to get, we were trying to go because we needed to stop and look at the construction project and then we needed to get to the airport. Um, and it was a three-hour drive. And so we were, as we were trying to get out of, the, out of the meeting room, just people kept coming up wanting to talk with us and take pictures of us, uh, pictures with us, and, and have us to pray for us. And, and one of the men that came up to me, 74 years old, uh, he is, he's considered to be the spiritual father of, of the Pentecostal church in Bulgaria. He, is, he spent five years in prison uh, because of communism. And, uh, and he, he walked up to me and he he put his hand on my chest, and he said this. He said, I want you to know that you have changed the nation. He said, never in the history of our fellowship. He says, I've been a part of this fellowship for over 50 years. He said, we have never had a gathering like this. We've never had a moment like this. And he said, you have changed the direction of this church. I was tired. I wasn't feeling well. Just congested, headache, wanting to be home. Um, and, and in that moment, his comment, it gripped me. Knowing that I would be coming here and, and just a few days later today, be talking to you about this issue of challenges and, and, and trials and difficulties and tests how we handle the pressures in life, how we handle the people in life, how we handle the situations in life, and how we handle our priorities. I said, God, is, is I, give, me, give me some way in some fashion to be able to communicate the significance of this to my church family. Because this is why we do what we do. 